Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. You're listening to the True Crime Dumpster Podcast with hosts Amy and... Kevin. Yep. Thank you. (laughs) Coming back at you this week with a special episode, number 44, our interview with filmmaker Shoelle Pamos and Ruth Trotter. Shoelle spent four years making the documentary The Price of Honor, which you can watch now on Amazon Prime. The film is about the honor killings of Amina and Sarah Saeed. Ruth is featured throughout the documentary and is a driving force in getting justice for the girls. If you haven't listened to episode 40 yet, we suggest going back to listen to that one or watch the documentary or do both. However, we do recap the story at the beginning of this episode. This one is a longer one, but we really didn't want to cut anything out, and we wanted to release it all at once. So sit back and enjoy our interview with Shoelle and Ruth. So the Saeeds are an Egyptian family that live in Texas. Patricia Tissi and Yasser Saeed marry and have three kids, Islam, Amina, and Sarah, Yasser is controlling and abusive to the girls, and Patricia, a.k.a. Tissy, Amina tells her maternal grandmother about sexual abuse from her father, and eventually she recants after being encouraged to do so. This causes a big family riff. Yasser often threatens to marry them off to older Egyptian men. He doesn't want them to be Americanized. As teenagers, both Amina and Sarah date American boys, Joseph and Eric. The documentary focuses on Amina's relationship with Joseph, who she meets at a Taekwondo studio. They fall in love and have a very intense relationship. Joseph's mother, Ruth, is supportive and has a close relationship with Amina. Amina feels close enough to both of them that she tells them a lot about her family and her abusive, scary father. Yasser finds out about Amina's relationship with Joseph and moves the family away. There, Yasser beats her brutally and wants to find and hurt Joseph, and Amina makes it her mission to protect Joseph. Yasser's anger turns towards the girls, so on Christmas Day in 2007, Tissy takes the girls, Eric, and a friend 
to Wichita to stay with her Aunt Jill, but ends up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is short-lived, and Tissy finds an excuse to get everyone back to Texas to get back together with Yasser. On New Year's Day in 2008, Yasser takes the girls out under the guise of forgiving them, but instead shoots them in his taxi cab in front of a hotel. Sarah calls 911 to no avail. Sadly, they die. Yasser flees the double murder scene and stays hidden for the next 12 years. About six years ago, he was added to the FBI top 10 most wanted list. In the film, Ruth and Tissy's family believe that he is being hidden by his family somewhere in North Texas, and they are right. Yasser Saeed is apprehended by police on August 26, 2020, after following Islam and hurt his brother Yasin for a while. Yasser, Yasin, and Islam are all in police custody at this point. I freaked out when I heard Yasser Saeed had been caught and knew that we needed to do an episode on him. I knew the broad details of the case, but the film and its participants made Amina and Sarah not just names in an article, but real people, the beautiful, smart, talented, caring girls that they were. We watched the film twice initially, both in awe and disbelief. I definitely wanted to know more about Ruth and followed her on Twitter. Shortly after we released episode 40, I got a message from Ruth and our correspondence began. So I just want everyone joining us in our dumpster today are Ruth Trotter and Shoel Pamos, two critical people in getting Amina and Sarah's story out to a wider audience. Shoel's film, The Price of Honor, is an investigative documentary that you can watch now on Amazon Prime. We are lucky to be able to have them on today. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank, thank you, you for, for having, having us. us. Yeah. Is there anything that you guys want to say before we get started? Shall uh, I love you guys. You're awesome. I love the honest <laughs> of your podcast. So I'm looking forward to a great fucking hour with you guys. Love it. Oh, yeah. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. We didn't think anyone yeah. listened to us. <laughs> we have a couple listeners here and there, but yeah. <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, I think you're great as well. I started listening uh, to podcasts in June or July, anything about um, Amina and Sarah Yasser, our honor killings in Texas. And I came across you guys and, um, well, I like metal and death metal. And (laughs) so, (laughs) you know, when I was listening to you guys, I was like, hey, this is, they're pretty cool. And so I shared it with Joelle and then we decided, you know, I would reach out. Oh, that's awesome. And clearly from the film, your son, Joseph, is a metalhead as well, correct? Correct. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. And he doesn't walk like an Egyptian. No, Kevin, he does not walk like <laughs> I'm glad we sorted that out. Yeah, he's our comic right. relief. I'm a little more serious. <laughs> I busted out but... laughing literally when I heard that. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. And um, I definitely, before I responded to you, I definitely listened to our podcast one more time because I'm like, oh my god, what did I say? Because <laughs> um, I will admit, the first time I got a message from you, I'm like, oh, this is when we get sued, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> it's our uh, first I'm- time that we're gonna get something like that, but you are just the kindest, sweetest person. You complimented us, and I, I just really, really appreciate that. And I'm so excited that you guys are open to talking to us today. 
Yes. Well, I'm very thankful for anyone and everyone that, uh, first of all, became becomes a voice for Amina and Sarah. And, you know, I would love to reach out to everyone, but that's just not really conducive. And uh, yeah. there's just a few people and, you know, not to be partial. But, you know, like I said, there's a few things that reach out to me on certain people. And and uh, I want to um, encourage you guys endeavors as well. You know. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Okay, I'll let Kevin start. So I have to say, nice work on the film. <laughs> thank you. I've watched uh, it, I think, three times now. You've watched it three times now, and each time, Kevin, he, we're actually, I guess, should we say, <laughs> we're actually expecting a child in a, in a while. And so I think oh. that this, this definitely hits home for him even more so, because we just found out it's going to be a girl. Oh, and congratulations. So, thank you. Each time we watch the film, I think that with the added, you know, thing of being, ha you know, having a little girl as well, like, I know it makes Kevin's blood boil. The story is just, it's, it's horrendous. Like, I, like I was saying, like, I knew about the case. I knew Yasser's face. I knew he'd killed his daughters. And it was just like, whoa, a guy killed his daughters. That's so crazy. And that was it kind of, you know, like that's you kind of I know a snapshot of all of the people on the FBI top, you know, top most wanted list. But the documentary really, really humanizes the girls to a point where, like, you know, something I was talking about with Ruth earlier is that it's it does such an amazing job with the primary footage and the subjects in the film that there's almost no need at all because of like the awesome editing and directing. There's like almost no need for the documentarian to interject at all because really the footage and the interviews tell the entire story. And it's this really, really well done seamless thing that it's just so authentic and it's so humanizing. Like it really, like it's just, it, it completely, it's a completely different story than like what any, you know, uh, wanted poster could tell, you know. I'm I'm very happy that you feel like that about the film. That was our goal. Our our goal was pretty much to really tell their story the way the way it was, right? And yeah. um, you know, I'll tell you something. The story that we had it was very different than the final result. What you what you see, because at the beginning when we were filming, Ruth and Joseph were not part of the story. So, really? Um, yeah, they, they were not. So um, the film was, yep. we were going a different direction, um, very different direction. And all of a sudden, uh, it was through phone bills that we had from Amina. And we saw this number. Um, we were pretty much, we were working with great people, great people, great investigators. And we pulled, we traced that number back to Joseph. And that's, kind of how we knew that that's the person that I mean I was talking to all the time mm -hmm. so Joss never changed changed his number and we reached out and um, we talked to Joseph and Joseph was very shy and I don't know like maybe like half an hour later um, Ruth called back and she was kind of like you know I mean she's what she said, but <laughs> that day she was like mom you know yeah. She was like, um, who are you calling my son and how can I help you? And, uh -huh. and you know, I was kind of like, um, it was cold. It was very cold. Um, but then quickly things changed. And 
um, at the beginning, we didn't even we didn't even talk about them being part of the film. Um, we were in Texas, and it was kind of like our. I think that we had two two more days in there, and then she called after um, after we were filming. She called back and she was like, "Hey, I would like to meet you guys to say thank you." And, and we met at, at the cafe, and we talked for hours in there. And she was like talking, 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 talking. And then she was just saying, hey, just be careful, be safe. Because that's the day that we were going to the Said um, oh, right after we met with her. And she was, she was like, please be safe, be careful. Like, this is no joke. Be safe. Yeah. And then we I, came back. Yeah. Yeah, we came back and then we stayed in touch. And it was like over the months that we kind of like realized that we needed to include them in the film. And then mm-hmm. after Joseph opened up with me um, mm-hmm. and I read all the um, Amina's letters and everything else, mm-hmm. our goal was to really change the script to Amina's story where, where pretty much Amina was the writer. So the storyline of the film it's really Amina talking in her emails. Her true so yeah, words. The film, what you it's, see in the film, so pretty much that, Amina. Yeah, it's so beautiful that she gets to tell the story, basically. Yes. You know, it's through amazing. Her it's amazing. Pink, through her pink words, you know. Yes. Life is better in pink. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you, so you guys start off the film. So the film starts with the 911 call and like watching it, <laughs> they put her on hold when she said she's been shot and she's dying. And that I just looked at Amy and I was like, what the fuck? Like, why, why are you making me watch this? Like, this is terrible, you know? Like, how often do people get put on hold calling 911? Yeah. When you're dying. Yeah. Do, do you know, now obviously I'm going to be asking things you might not know the answer to, but I'm just curious. Do you know if that dispatcher was let go or anything? No, we don't know. We don't know. Okay. And we always we always respected the privacy of, of okay. that person. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, for sure. um, yeah, I'm not aware. It just feels like so unbelievable, the ineptitude of like just how it got passed around so much and they just it just feels really crazy. And you do a really good job later on of going through the handbook and showing what the protocol of 911 calls are. Cause clearly it's exactly the opposite of what they did. Yeah. yeah and for us, it was like, it was, it was very important to really, like, we were like, how do we tell this to people so people can understand, you know, how yeah. do we put it on the screen? So we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to have any of the cast members talking about it, but how, yeah. how do we put it out there? in a way that people understand that they fucked up, you know? Yeah, and, um, exactly. And we did the best that we could, and I think people got it. <laughs> so yeah. it's all good. And then, so Kevin, throughout the entire thing, and this is one of the things that make his blood boil is, yeah. There's a lot, for me, there's a lot of WTF moments in the, in the film. <laughs> um, oh, I can tell you a few. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. But, um, so, the Saeed family. That's all. I could. That's a big WTF for me. <laughs> so it was that Yassine that was going to marry Tissy when she was 14, was it? Yeah. That was, okay, that was a WTF moment. Yeah. <laughs> and 
than like yeah to the brother yeah i mean yeah i guess so I'll, I'll you never around. did as did either of you guys ever meet meet the saeed family uh we so, know we tried oh yeah i know I you guys tried <laughs> so as far as uh joseph and i we i saw yasser once i believe or twice but i was never introduced to him and then amina you know later on as i'm sure we're going to discuss when the threats came upon joseph she started sending me like photos of all of the uncles cousins and everybody to make us aware and if we saw these people too yeah gotcha so when you show the old family photographs and stuff i don't know like just something about the all of their eyes instantly i was like these people are dangerous people like yeah. i don't know what it is like it just they have a very uh powerful aura <laughs> that comes through the tv correct uh, and then also yeah. how how is it how were the saeed family i don't know if you can answer this but like how did they have money it just seems like they have limitless income I don't know if yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a good that's a good question. But two of them, two two of them, one has a transportation company, the other one is an engineer, and then yeah. it seems like the Singh and Yasser are on the other side, who so are the, you know, the ones that they really never did anything or accomplish anything. And um, I don't know. Were, were um, their really parents? Were their parents in Egypt or were they in Texas? Like the. Uh, back and forth yeah oh okay all right yeah because we have footage because we have footage of their their funny thing also their parents Jasser Jasser parents they are divorced oh okay so um I, I just say that it's interesting how they try to keep everything you know shameless but as they would say you know and you know like Jasser goes with a white lady their parents are divorced you know, but then somehow it's a big deal for I mean, answer to date, right? Whoever they want to date. Yeah, so it's a lot about just keeping up appearances. Yep. So it's yeah, it's really infuriating. <laughs> it comes to me. It comes down to Yasser was a mental patient who was very insecure. <laughs> well, and I would agree with you with that, but being mental gives him an excuse, and I think he has no excuse. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah. And I think the addition of the scholars that you guys or that Shoel that you added into the film really helps. I love that they very much say that please keep the uh, the religion, you know, the Muslim religion separate from what what honor killings are and separate from what it is that Yasser did, because Yasser clearly was not a religious person, because if he was, he it, you know, Islam is a peaceful religion, you know. Yeah, so, and that was very important for us. We wanted to make sure that people didn't get hurt and that people, you know, understood what honor killings are or where they're coming from. And it's more of a mindset, something that you pass from generation to generation. Um, and it has nothing to do with religion. And as you said, Yasser never put, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't remember last time I heard that he was going to the mosque or anything like that. So... Yeah. Um, yeah. So usually if he yeah. was a spiritual or religious person, you know, inviting this kind of horrible violence would not be something that would go along with what he believes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, if he was a religious person, I'm sure it wouldn't would have been talked about. So then again, I don't I just want to be like sensitive to like 
I don't want to be calling anyone out, but like I was saying, I'm a teacher myself. And I know that karate instructors aren't necessarily like mandatory reporters. And again, you know, I'm, I live on the West Coast, so I'm, I don't know if things are done differently from state to state. But, and, and there is at least one teacher mentioned like in the film. Do you know, did any instructors ever try to report anything to police? Were there any like, red? I mean, clearly with the Taekwondo, you know, karate instructor, there were red flags and he obviously was, you know, conveying that to Ruth and other people, but were, were there so, any reports? Uh, in all honesty, to see Amina and Sarah, you really would not have known there was anything going on. They were just a picture of calm. And mm-hmm. uh, as far as the Taekwondo instructor, up until that point, you know, Yasser terrorized the girls all the time, both girls. Uh, yeah. You know, the brutal, the brutal beating that she got when he found out about Joseph, that wasn't, that wasn't an isolated incident. I mean, he yeah. abused them all the time. So, but that being said, he did not... It, the when he found out about Joseph, that's when they got more intense with the with the beatings and things, and that's when he moved them from the taekwondo. So prior to that, Amina was very cautious. I mean, from day one, she was very cautious about Joseph and and her relationship, which yeah. I just thought it was very peculiar. And you know, soon after I found out the truth, but during the time at the taekwondo studio, there wasn't a lot of. Uh, warning signs or red flags correct but uh later during our screening tour after we had the opportunity to go to the high school and a lot of from what i recall and correct me if i'm i'm wrong so well a lot of the faculty had no idea now there were some friends of the girls that were aware because the girls would come with welts and bruises and i didn't have the opportunity to speak with those friends and so I don't know the extent of what was what Amina and Sarah told their friends. But, yeah. you know, I remember one time uh, one of the friends or somebody had said that uh, Sarah got a B on a report or on for a grade on something. And they were just joking with her. Oh, we're going to tell your dad. And she was freaking out big time because mm-hmm. she knew what that meant. And they were like, hey, you know, we're just kidding. So mm-hmm. I yeah. don't, I can't say that there was any evidence really. Cause I thought when I, when we went show out, I thought they were pretty surprised that this whole situation was hap- what, what happening. I, what I would add to that is, I mean, over the years there, there, there was evidence that they were being uh, abused, but what happened is yes. they learned how to deal with that abuse. The girls did their home was hell. So anytime that they were, they were out, you you would always, and this is what I got from most of the people I talked to, every time you saw them out, people wouldn't have idea because because they were always smiling. And yes. I, I believe this is because they knew that that was their freedom time. And yes. they just tried to make the best out of it because they knew hell was around the corner. Mm-hmm. So, but they were abused from from the from the very beginning, uh, right? Yes, and, yes. Uh, um, Amina also was very cautious on saying anything because they had they had situations in the past where CPS was called and nothing was done. And I'm not talking about one, two or three times. I'm talking about many times when CPS would live, uh, Amina and Sarah would really, really, really get it bad, really bad. Yeah. 
So they yeah, learned they, how they to. Cried out they didn't times. trust. They didn't trust police. They didn't trust CPS because they knew that Yasser was going to find a way to twist it, and it was going to be really bad for them. Yeah. So, so I think that's why they were very cautious on, you know, who they would share anything like that with. Yeah. But I know, for example, that friends would never pick them up at their home. They would walk two blocks and then their friends would pick them up like two blocks right. away. And same thing for drop off. They would drop them off two blocks right. away. Same thing. I'm talking about, gotcha. about girl, girlfriends, you know, not even boys. So I'm talking about any type of friends, like, like she was so, they were so petrified, uh, you know, like something, a friend would say the wrong thing or it would be the wrong friend, you know, like anything that yeah. could make Yasser really upset. Mm-hmm. So when Joseph and Amina started their courtship in the beginning, the, the first part of in the beginning, it was mostly at the Taekwondo studio. And Yasser traveled to Egypt quite a bit. You know, during the summers is when he would go independently. He would take one or all of the children or he would take his whole family. Uh, But mostly he would go on his own. And Patricia, even when he wasn't there, we were not allowed to go pick Amina up at her home. We had to pick her up at the Taekwondo studio parking lot. And then she would come spend time with our family and we'd take her back over there. And like Shoel was saying, the girls cried out many times and how Amina explained it to me uh, again later after she just came and told us everything because I, I had a lack of understanding. She said, you know, how can, you know, when the CPS or the police, when they do their investigations and they're finding out, are these girls just, you know, being rebellious or is there really facts to what, what they're claiming? If you have both parents denying what the girls are yeah. saying, I mean, they pretty much that 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 that, that pretty much ends the investigation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, especially like you said, and, and and like Shoel said, then they had to pay the price, you know, for making these calls out to you know cries out. I think out they learned how- that. I think they learned that early in life with with the abuse, you know, when they. When they, you know, when they told authorities that, you know, Jasser was touching them and then they were made to lie and say, no, that never happened. I think that was like possibly like the, the first experience that they, they got like, hey, I cannot really talk about these things. I'll get in trouble. And I think they just learned to be They like were that. like, they were early. They, they were very mature for their age. They were like little James Bonds. I am not kidding you. The things, the measures and the links that they went through. Oh, I know. Um, I mean, I, to I read that them. business. Oh, I read that business insider article that Joseph wrote. And it was just like the secret code of like that seven. Like if you, if I dial seven, if I text you seven, don't reply to any phone calls or text messages during that time, because it means that my phone's been confiscated. And it's just like, wow, like and and that's why it turned to like notes in a notebook too. Cause it was just like, well, I would not have had that kind of, it's just the things that she had to do to be able to live a somewhat normal life. You know, right. she had I to lived a double life. Like a James Bond. Yeah. And so like, even on back then it was MySpace. they would post messages, but to you and me, they were just like 
somebody posting something, but to yeah. Joseph and Amina, they were code. messages to each. Yes, exactly. And I was just like, I figured it out. He's like, how did you figure it out, mom? I'm like, yeah, because I know you guys already, <laughs> you know, but I was just amazed. And, uh, you know, can I, can I ask you again, you don't have to answer this. Did you, I, I don't want this to sound crazy. Did you no, ever think about kidnapping? Did you ever feel, did you ever think about just taking Amina away? Yes, definitely. Okay. Uh, you I know, mean, I, before... I definitely get that sense from the film and you as a person, but at the same time, that is technically illegal, you know? Correct. So, I, you know. And so it took 12 years to find Yasser. It might have took maybe a day or two to find Ruth and Joseph and Amina and Sarah had we yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. You know, because they were together the last four years of her life. And the yep. majority of that time, she was a minor. So, I mean, there was really not a lot we can do. Yeah. And... Also, Sarah was a minor, but once Amina turned 18, it would have been, well, we thought it would Sarah have been would, easier Sarah would still be a minor. that Amina could take, you know, maybe Sarah could have emancipated and became part of Amina since she yeah. was now considered the legal adult. But like Shoelle was saying, school, uh, Taekwondo, anything outside of the house was a life source for them. And yeah. Amina really, truly wanted to cross the stage and get her diploma. And how yeah. could I deny her that? Exactly. Because when she, when she turned 18, I was like, you know, let's just go. But she really wanted to experience that. School for both of them was a lot. It meant a lot to them. Both of them wanted it to be physicians. Yeah, they were yeah. both academically, they were just brilliant girls. I mean, mm -hmm. and they both wanted to be physicians. But they were both living the life knowing that their life was not going to be long. I hate that. Such there was a sad story. There's definitely a part of me that was like, Ruth, just steal them. You know, like, obviously, you know, just like because I could tell that you're such a good person in the film and that you you if if it had been at all plausible, you would have taken them away from the situation, you know, but with two completely uncooperative, crazy parents they were going to make and, and a very weirdly connected family, you know, where they seem to have eyes everywhere and bugs everywhere and cameras everywhere. It, it there was it was going to be fruitless if that ever happened. If anything, it would put you and Joseph and everyone in danger. So, Amy, let me go ahead. Uh -huh. I was gonna say, and Amina was very protective of Joseph, so she wasn't going to give um, exactly. all the information to them. Uh, because she knew how much she could say to make sure that she could have control of that situation where, you know, okay, you beat me up anytime you want to, but you're not going to touch Joseph. And so, you know, Amy, I'm going to say that I've been blasted out for like, I'm the adult. Why didn't I just pack up and go? Well, honor-based violence, <laughs> if you do not understand what this is and the measures that the family and the community go to, to protect the family honor. Yeah, I could have done that. Well, first of all, I didn't even know we were living under the umbrella of honor-based violence, the moment mm -hmm. that Amina and Joseph fell in love. And mm -hmm. at that time, there was not really a lot of foundations or organizations to help a person in that situation. And again, we had the big factor that both girls were minors. And mm -hmm. even if I would have taken them to the police and to CPS, 
they still would have reverted back to the family. So mm -hmm. in a, in a situation of, of honor-based violence, you know, it's not just the father and the mother, it's the whole family and the whole community that is indecisive or deciding everything that happens to the person or persons, the family member that is bringing shame upon the family. So is there proof? I, I can't say that, but do I know for a fact because of what Amina told me, the decision of them being executed was decided by all of them. Because Amina, from the very beginning, she told Joseph the day that her father would kill her, she made him promise that he would not kill himself or harm himself. Yeah. Uh, because it was always there. And as a young teenager, I was like, how, why would you even be having this conversation? Yeah. And I knew that, that their love was real. It was not a puppy love. Mm -hmm. uh, some people even question, well, okay, your, your life was in danger. Your son's life was in danger. Why didn't you just say, you know, I respect that you love this girl, but, you know, we got to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Well, to have met Amina and Sarah uh, was to instantly love them. They were just so magnetic and they were just amazing girls. They really were. They were not only beautiful on the outside, they were beautiful human beings on the inside and they were very caring and giving and loving. And I saw her as uh, like a daughter. And how would you not protect your own child? Right? Yeah. Absolutely. And I couldn't. And to us, it was worth the sacrifice. Our whole family knew. And I contain so like you said in the documentary that your entire family was supportive of Joseph and Amina's like relationship as well. And which again, super incredible, like that you that he had so much love and support and they both had such love and support, you know. Like it definitely, definitely comes through in the film. Well, so we did. We lived there. I, and I it always does, say that. And it does make me feel good. I mean, in a sense that, like, Amina had so much pain in her life, but she had a lot of love and support, too, and that she had to find outside of her family. So, yeah. I mean, I, even though it's, it's like her smile is so beautiful and infectious, you know, and knowing that she's, you know, what her home life is like, but that smile comes from, you know, like from you and Joseph and her friends and stuff, you know, it just, it's so, it's so apparent in the film. Well, thank you. And you know, do I have a, should I, could have, would have? Yes. I'm going to have to live sure. with that for the rest of my life. Yeah. But at the time I did the best of my ability at the time and Amina knew what they were living and she was the one, she was the captain of the captain of the ship directing our every move on how and when to make a move. Yeah. And she was the bravest girl, both her and Sarah. She was so unselfish because she had everyone's best interest. She had everyone's safety, especially Joseph and our family's mm -hmm. lives, you know, that she had to take into account. She would take beatings, not revealing, you know, Joseph's name or anything like that. And in one part Correct. of, the documentary um you guys talk about how yasser kicked her in the face and like her braces got stuck in her lips and then other members of the family were confirming that and then it goes to tissy and she's you know says amina never had braces so like we were like what and then and then you ruth sent us some photos of her from like i think it was a social media post of with pictures of braces and stuff and um why were there no pictures of her with braces in the in the film? 
Okay, so we had like about four or five pictures. And uh -huh. you, you don't see you don't see them very well. I mean, uh -huh. you see them well enough where you can appreciate that she has braces, but she kind of like tried to smile very small to make sure that you know she doesn't show those. I mean, I did and, too when um, I have braces. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but the reason why the reason why none of that is in the film is because the quality of those pictures were not great for film. Gotcha. And yeah. it, it was very pixelated, where you it wouldn't make sense to use it. Because uh, it wouldn't make a difference, you wouldn't see the braces. Because I mean, I I will say, uh, aside from that right there, where where obviously you could easily call her out, you guys do in the film do such a good job of like juxtaposing like, here's Tissy saying one thing, and then here's an interview that directly contradicts what she just said, or like her saying something with like the police report in the background that clearly contradicts what she's saying. It's just like it's so easy to call her and, out without calling yes. her out in the film <laughs> yes and that was to be honest that was a struggle in the film because you know when you what, work on a film you, you, the struggle um, just her in general or what no 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 the struggle <laughs> was to tell that story in a way that that it would make sense because uh, you know it, it's like we had one interview with her that's why you see like a change of outfit with her and yeah. they're like two years apart um in those interviews so yeah, it, it was so hard because uh, Patricia was our inconsistencies. It yeah. was very hard because you know when 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 you are making a documentary, your job is really to put out there the truth that you find, right? So mm -hmm. when we had all this footage, we have like about 400 hours of footage, right? So when oh, we shit. have all this footage, we were like, "Fucked! How do we tell the story of Patricia? It's so inconsistent. I mean, it's like it doesn't." match up with anybody, not even herself. Yeah. So that's why we, at the beginning, <laughs> tell her story. We, we use her to tell the story of who she is, you know, her life, getting married and all that stuff. And that's when, you know, that's when we start adding people that, you know, that pretty much say, yeah. no, that's not true. And everybody you else is saying, no, that's not true. And then at the very end, I don't know if you remember this the, the split screen that we use where she's saying mm -hmm. one thing and then another. That was very yeah. hard to put out there because I really didn't, I, I really didn't, our intention wasn't going after Patricia, you know? Yeah. Our intention was to show that, that she was flip-flopping all the time. And people had the right to see that, you know? Um, and if you go through the girl's life, it was always like that, you know, like Amina wrote a letter to Connie. She said, no, um, Jata raped, Jata actually raped uh, Billy's, which is Patricia's sister. Mm -hmm. We talked to Billy. We have audio with Billy where she says yes. And still Patricia says no, you know, this is so weird how, how, you know, it's like when you talk to her you don't know what, she, what she's going to say. And the second interview, I was like, okay, like, this is so fucked up. Like, I don't know how we're going to put this together so people can understand. Um, usually, we wouldn't mix interviews, so either you choose A or B, uh -huh. but we felt that we, if we chose A or B, it wouldn't make justice it was to the that story. True. Because you would only get one story, and she was telling two stories. Yeah. So that's why we we had to do it like that. And I agree with you. A lot of 
you know, I love it when people, when she says something and then somebody else says, hey, no. This, <laughs> exactly the you know, opposite. This happen yeah. like that. And, you know, there are like key moments I really like in the film. Like, you know, when she says, oh, who had thought that he was going to kill them? Um, after everybody's saying, oh my God, like, like, well, you, you know, did. They, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's, I know. And well, it's getting Jill and Connie to both separately say to, to the camera, Tissy said he was going to kill Amina. And then for Amina, and then for Tissy to be like, oh, he was a great father. It was a total surprise to me. It's just like, oh, <laughs> Like, you clearly told your family, you fucking, like, I just, I get so angry with her. So I guess, just to be fair to her a little bit, is she, to you, either of you guys, is she at all a sympathetic figure? Like, should we, how should, how should we feel about her, I guess? Or, like, how so, would you feel about uh, her? I want to say, <laughs> say something. <laughs> In the yeah. documentary, I think it was in her second interview. Uh, she's wearing the red shirt. Is that her second interview, Shoel? Yeah. I guess they must have asked her when the last time she saw Yasser, and she states herself, she saw Yasser in 2008 after he murdered the girls. Mm -hmm. Also in the documentary... Uh, it said that uh, when they ran away, that the phones were disposed of and they got burner phones. Well, through the Price of Honor team, Joel and his team, they have the phone records. Patricia was in contact the entire time with Yasin, Yasser, and Islam. Yeah. Also, uh, Eric says uh, he did mentioned you know he did write back to uh Shoal and the team saying that he is not aware how they would have got the numbers meaning Yasser uh Islam or any of the sites it was Tissy had someone not contacted them yeah and then you know the coup de gras Patricia says oh Amina wanted me to pick her up because she had to get ready for school exactly. which clearly yeah. in the research shows that she was bombarding Amina with phone calls and having Sarah call until she finally went over to Amina's friend's house and literally drug her home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Amina knew that, uh, that it was the defeat already. She knew, that, that, she that, always that, said, that was her up. no, yeah. the only way out of this was death. And uh, so she knew. So and that's why she went. She knew her days were, you so know, is that you saying, is that you saying that, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I can't, because I know, I know to some extent, no, that's me she's saying, a victim herself. That is me saying Patricia has done an excellent job uh, presenting herself in the true gotcha. with her own words. So I don't, you know, I don't need to yeah. credit or discredit her. She did an amazing okay. job on herself with herself yeah that's the thing yeah I, I, and when it comes to the film you know i felt i try really not to talk about patricia a whole lot i know people right. get really upset with her because i totally understand you know like people see that she's she's having different stories and two girls are dead and you know that that make people upset but um i really try to be super fair with uh patricia all the time and you know 
I just couldn't. I, I just couldn't not say yeah. what we saw. She doesn't make you it know? easy. And that's, yeah. and that's what we that's what we saw. And it was extremely hard to put it together. So it was like, okay, we need to really put this in a way that people understand and that people understand that yes, she's changing her story. And that's really not for me to judge. That is for maybe her to explain, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I know she's not happy with that at all. <laughs> so Yeah, that's what that. I was going to ask. What, what was her reaction to the film? Do you know what her reaction was? Uh, she called. She was very upset the day okay. of the premiere. She, she called. Because um, the night of the premiere, we tried for her not to come over because we knew we had Joseph there, we had Ruth in there, we had family members, mm-hmm. Jill was there, Gail was there. So we had like a lot of family members that already had a really bad relationship with her that we were really mm-hmm. trying to avoid any sort of like conflict in there. And mm-hmm. um, so she didn't go, she's the only person that didn't go, but obviously somebody had told her because it was just like a couple hours later, Nina and I were in the hotel and you know, we got a call, she was pretty upset. But, you know, it's like we just have to tell people what we saw, and that's what we saw. Yeah. And like I said, yeah. we have many, 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 many more hours to to choose from, and everything is very similar, you know? Everything is like, you know, even 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 her religion, like the first, the first time that we met with her, because we were told that she was a Muslim, we just asked her, and she said, yes, I'm a Muslim. And then she spoke something in Arabic, okay? And, and then the second interview, we went through the same questions. That's what we do, you know, to see if things match up, right? And right. she said, no, I'm a Christian. And I said, okay, oh. well, you're a Christian. Great. And then it got so crazy that we were like, really, we don't know how to put this together. Uh, we offer her to take a polygraph. Um, <laughs> wow. That would clear something. And she said, no, that's going to be a waste of my time. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Like, honestly, like, I mean, everybody's different. But if, if I have, like, a thousand people after me, family members that hate me, family members that think I'm guilty, you know, if somebody uh-huh. offers me, like, a free polygraph where I can clear my name yeah. a little bit, yeah. I would yeah. take it. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? But that would be, that would be me. So, um... and, and there is no doubt that she was abused when she was younger. I mean, the first person that abused her was her dad by by allowing, you know, by pretty much allowing her to marry that young. Yeah, correct. Exactly. So that was the first abuser there. But but after that, it's like, you know, I get it. You can be abused. But hey, I'm I'm a father and I would do whatever it takes to. Yeah, it doesn't excuse her handing over her daughters to be killed. It it, there's no excuse for that. And she had several years. Like everything, like he said in a report, in a police report, you know, like if we come back, he's going to kill us. He's going to kill us. But she still yeah. comes back, you know? So a lot of people think she's involved in this. A lot of people think that she's so jacked after. I have no idea because my yeah. job is really to inform. But, um, but what I do personally believe is I will have taken my kids out of the country if I have to. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. I would yeah. just do whatever it took to keep my to keep my kids safe, you know. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I don't understand, I'm not saying that Jasper should have done that, but what I don't understand is because she in the film she she does talk about that the, the abuse was always against her, but not the girls, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. If that was the case, 
and Islam was part of this, obviously, why didn't just Yasser like kill them all in the house without going mm-hmm. anywhere? He could have mm-hmm. killed Tisi and Amina and Zara. Mm-hmm. But why did she get away? You know what I'm saying? Like Yeah, it was very specific to the girls. Yes. And I and, to, so. and 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 I get from the documentary and just like how she is that like she was she was very aware of that. If anything, it, yeah. it was maybe even an offering to him so that she wouldn't get hurt. I don't know. It's yeah, it's she's like it's, a it, Judas goat. Yeah, she, it's <laughs> it's gut wrenching. Yeah, it is. <clears throat> so, Ruth, um, when you found out that Yasser might go after Joseph, what was like going through your head? Did you guys like take any precautions or you know? <laughs> so, well, By you a- know. We we knew pretty pretty much early on. She was very open with us after she gained trust. Mm-hmm. So I made my my family aware again to get the police involved. There was really no actual physical threat, mm-hmm. uh, other than her saying that he wanted to kill Joseph. So my family was uh, always at alert. Got it. Yeah, because you guys are in Texas. So, yes. you know, you have a little more rights about protecting yourself. And Correct. Like you said, there's not real, like, hard evidence. So getting the cops involved doesn't seem like an option. So I was just, you know. So you said you, you guys are prepared. We were. Good. And anytime she put us on alert, we just, I, you know, I let the family know as well. I mean, even at one point, she called Joseph's father, Kevin, and she told him, uh, please don't don't go to the Taekwondo studio tonight. Or if you do, don't call Joseph by his name. Or if you see me there, don't acknowledge that you know me. Just y'all just ignore me. She was scared, like super scared. So they decided just just not to go that night to the Taekwondo studio because she she knew. Yeah, she knew. I it sucks that they couldn't do like a GoFundMe to hire an assassin. <laughs> But the thing is, but the but the thing is, is again, it took them X amount of years to um, apprehend him. But anything that we would have done, it we would have been caught right away. He was connected, unfortunately. Well, yeah. That being said, um, so it came out that members of the Saeed family were hiding and protecting Yasser. Were you guys concerned at all that members of the family might come after you guys for doing the documentary? Oh, well, I mean, we got, I mean, I couldn't count the amount of threats, but it's above 300. So, um, you know, we got a lot of, we got some threats during the film that's that's actually on the film that we talk about. Yeah, uh, yeah. For really doing nothing, just for really trying to get their side of the story. But yeah. now looking back, really, and I always said that, I think, Ruth, I told you this, like, also many times, is, like, they never talk to anybody. They never talk to media. Nothing. Why? Because when you have a plan, when you're a part of something, it's better to be quiet because, because if you're quiet, then you don't have issues. Like, Patricia, when you are caught by saying two different things, right? So yeah. I feel like in that aspect, they were extremely smart, where they really said, hey, we're not talking about any of this ever. Like this never happened, right? In the film, we are very cautious on how we portray them. So you have like that segment 
where you see all their faces and we we freeze the frame and you can Oof, read their yeah. names and what they do and I all that stuff. I love that part of the film. <laughs> oh, thank you. And I think it's very self-explanatory, but we really couldn't point a lot of fingers because we don't have release from them. So, but um, now I can talk a little bit more freely since there are court documents and in those court documents, the name of all of them show up. So yes, Yassin was arrested. Yes, Islam was arrested, but also Muslim and Jewishry show up on, on those court documents as Islam making calls to them. So they are on the spot right now, all of them. Okay, and I, I also know some of their girls are being investigated, but I really, I mean, I have no idea, but I really don't think that the girls, their girls were part of this. I just feel like the girls are the best people to take their, their punches, really, because, you know, they're not going to do that to their boys. If any, if anybody's going to go to the girls. So I feel like they plan ahead. Hey, if this ever happens, it's going to go to the girls. That's why the house where they were arrested belonged to Jacin's daughter. Uh, mm-hmm. Apparently, they're, they're trying to trace where the money came from over the years. And it goes mm-hmm. to another daughter. So I think it's going to get very interesting. And a lot more people are going to come up. Um, also, remember, in the film, Ruth saw Jasser. Yeah. Which... I don't know if you remember that part. No, I remember. And, and I was just like, oh, she was right. <laughs> like she saw him terrifying and he was definitely in north texas still yeah Yeah. and that was one of his relatives house so did you get the hundred thousand dollars tip then (laughs) i did no i wish i was like i was like ruth should have gotten that (laughs) (laughs) no you know what law enforcement law enforcement never really wanted to talk to work with us i praise them for catching jasser i praise them for all the dna work they have done and everything that they have done to to arrest him um 100% okay but i wonder if that has to do with the fact that the new detective uh, really wanted to work on the case because the detective that was there uh, detective henny when we were there he was worthless and <laughs> he never really wanted to talk to us you know as soon as Ruth would call them. Ruth called FBI once to tell her about Yasser. They took her very seriously until she said she was part of a film. When she said she was part of a film, it was game over. So then they never really said anything else. So it's unfortunate that, you know, like we really tried to do a full investigation and we have these tips that we can give them and they never really took those tips. We were very I would say 99% that he was in that house or another house around the corner. That is, I think it's just his cousin. And he has like three houses in the same area, right? Mm -hmm. The house that you see in the film, it's so isolated that you cannot even stop by because they will tell that somebody's there, right? Mm -hmm. One night coming back from from dinner, uh, Nina and I, we, you know, we kind of brag about having a lot of balls. But Nina has more balls than I do anyway. But, <laughs> but anyway, we're having dinner and we say, hey, why don't, we, why don't we drive? And this is with no crew, no security, like just her and I, okay? We were like, hey, why don't we pass by the house? Just, you know, let's check it out. So we drive by, turn the lights off. So, you know, 
like we don't to make sure nobody really sees anything. Yeah. We drive by, house is dark. Um, the the red track is not there. That red track that you see in the film. Um, mm -hmm. So the red track wasn't there. So then we go to the next house, which is around the corner, which it, you know it belongs to the same person. And sure enough, the red track was there in the driveway. So huh. I tell Nina, hey, okay, let me grab the camera and let me just walk to it. So like she drove, she she drove me off like two houses down. I just walked back to the house to make sure I got like a good shot of the plate, you know, to verify that it was the same car. Um, it was so dark. It is, this is like late, okay? And it was so dark as I'm like filming the plate on the driveway. I hear people talking and I look mm -hmm. straight and I see like cigarette lights, like three or four cigarette lights. And then there's mm -hmm. this picture of it. And then I just see those lights coming close to me. So I just went running like a block down where Nina was waiting for me, jump in the car, told Nina, like, pit up, they're coming. Yes. They got in the car, they chased us. Uh, we got on the freeway and we finally lost them. But no I feel I feel that nobody would take, you know, if he wasn't around, they wouldn't take this so seriously. You know what I'm saying? To chase yeah. somebody. Sure. Anyway, so it was pretty interesting. We couldn't put all that in the film. But it was definitely yeah. a very interesting night. So, yeah. like to answer, so, Kevin, to answer your question, you know, Amina and Sarah were executed on January of 2008. And the documentary was not released until 2014. So for a big portion of that time, nobody spoke of Amina. And going public with our story was not, it was not an easy decision because we knew that we were putting ourselves out there and putting ourselves at risk. But the sacrifices that this young, amazing, beautiful girl made for us, for my son, I mean, how could we not? And yeah. since then, you know, every day, yes. Am I afraid? Most definitely. Am I afraid for my son's life? Of course. And even now, before Joelle tells you, I'm gonna say, you know, since they've been apprehended, I don't know. It's a different kind of fear that I have now. Mm. And, you know, the unknown. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if if we would not have come out, I mean, Amina's truth, her words would not have been told, you know, and we we knew the girls needed justice. We knew that Yasser had to be caught. And that just was more important than anything else. And even going to the house, you know, they would, the price of honor would get tips all the time. And they would tell, since I was in the area at the time, I was like, sure, I'll go. Why not? I mean, what is he going to do? Shoot me? Okay. Well, then he'll be, they'll look for him then, hopefully, you know? But yeah, yeah so I, I went independently and I went with Joseph's father, Kevin. Uh, we went together. Uh, it was just how it was. And uh, until we saw him or I saw him. And uh, it was, which, it if was, you can see him that potentially easily, what the fuck is wrong with the police then? Like, where were they? Why, If this guy is so important to be on the FBI top 10 most wanted list, you think that they would stake well, out his story. family's home? And, and let me tell you this. Prior, so the documentary screened, sep, uh, premiered September 2014. And Yasser was not placed on the top 10 FBI list until December of 2014. 
and great aunt Jill and great aunt Gail had been trying all those years in between to have the FBI place Yasser on the top 10. And they just said that the crime did not warrant that, but it wasn't until the documentary. And that's why I, I talk about wow. the price of honor because they, they ignited a movement. Now I'm not saying other people haven't done things since then they may have, but the, volume of attention that it's gotten from the price of honor is just i'm i'm going to be eternally grateful to them and i'm going to tell you you, in 2006 and one of the treasures amina left me she states that soon she overheard her dad telling one of her uncles that soon she was going to be a memory so Mm -hmm. fast forward to 2007 you know a day or two prior to her execution, she changes her Facebook or actually it was my space back then. And she posts a picture of herself. And under there she writes, I do not want to become memory. Mm-hmm. And that's where never a memory comes from mm-hmm. because she knew that uh, she was at the end mm-hmm. and to call Joseph and to call me to come get her. She did everything in her power to keep him safe. And to do that, that would have just, I don't think Yasser, if we would have showed up, Yasser probably would not have killed Amina. He would have killed Joseph and me is mm-hmm. what I presume and have her suffer mm-hmm. the, the loss. And then she right. would have had one. So in the film, it does include that he is added to the uh, FBI most wanted list. Was that an addendum later on then? Yeah, um, he was. Well, what happened is the film was finished because we premiered the film September 2014. Uh-huh. And then this happened in December. So the film was already finished. And what happened is the day of the premiere, a lot of FBI people, they were there. Correct. Good. Yeah, and we knew it. We knew it because Good. we had the. I'm doing something. People. We, just, mm-hmm. we just couldn't put a face to it. But I know that I know law enforcement in general. We're not very happy with that either because, you know, because you're doing their job for them, you know, so, so they were not very happy and we never really met face to face with anybody. Our communications with them was via uh, email. I talked to FBI over the phone a couple of times, you know, my impression was always the same, like, Hey, don't step on my feet pretty much, you know? Anyway, so uh, if you watched the end of the film, uh, that was added later. So okay. there is like something that reads like, oh, from the release of the film, uh, Yasser was added to the most wanted list. Yeah. And so that's the only reference that we do. And that's because the film was already finished. But, you know, okay. I, okay. I, I, I feel there was pressure on them to do something else because they, they saw there was potential on the film when they watched it. And they knew that they didn't, they had already fucked up so many times. I yeah. believe they just wanted to do something else. I'm happy yeah. that I'm happy that they did. So, but um, mm-hmm. also law enforcement told Patricia not to talk anymore with anybody else. Correct. Mm-hmm. After the documentary, like you know. Um, and also, just you know, because I know you love the Said and talk about uh, talking about the Said. Uh, two of the Said went to the premiere in Dallas. Wow. Which do you know which ones? It was two uh, two other um, two daughters. Oh, okay. Yeah, so let me out. tell you this, the, the law enforcement, when they found out that Saeeds were at the premiere, 
they SWAT, police, off-duty, they uh, all surrounded uh, that to make sure we were all safe. So, well, hey, this sounds like the I, world's I, scariest premiere ever. Jeez. Yes, I, I came out. I came out to give an interview, and I was With like, "What the vest? fuck is this?" <laughs> you know, like I was like, you know, I was like, you know, they were like the SWAT was there and police was around. I was like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Did did did Justin just show up or what?" You know, like <laughs> I was. It was so really. It was so shocking. You know, I was okay. I'm just yeah. coming here for an interview. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. It was it was a very emotional day. Nobody really watched the film before that day. So like, you know, Joseph was shaking, family members were shaking, a lot of family members didn't know the story about Joseph. So, you know, it mm-hmm. was it was a very emotional day for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Other it's it does sound like and I'm gonna go ahead and for myself credit you guys for making sure that the story, you know, Yasser was added to the FBI top 10 most wanted list because it is things like documentaries and people doing police officers work for them that gets notoriety to cases. So one, amazing. Uh, But two, do you feel like there has been any other kind of direct results from since like the screening of the documentary? I mean, that you could maybe point to? Actually, uh, Ruth, you can't answer that because you always tell me about those things. She's always like, oh, my God, like, this is thanks to the price of honor or this, 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 or that. So you can answer that question. No, I'll let you say it. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, from the price of it's what, uh, what Ruth said was the time from 2008 to the time that the film came out, yes, there was coverage on the girls the first year. But after that, there was really nothing. Even while we were working on the film, which it took us almost four years, uh, mm-hmm. we would check every... January 1st to see if, you know, if somebody would cover the case, you know, hey, Jesse is still out there. And there was mm-hmm. nothing. It was like a dead case. It was cold case. So our goal was to really, hey, let's see if we can really energize this case and, you know, make people talk about it and make people know who Amina was, know who Sarah was and know that Jesse is still out there, you know, and we mm-hmm. got so many calls with tips all the time, you know, like, hey, wow. I think I've seen that they're here. Well, I think I've seen that. And we will always tell people, you know, you need to contact FBI because we cannot do anything about it, you know, yeah. like yeah. nothing. And I know I cannot call FBI because they won't take my tips. So we will always <laughs> um, send people over to them, you know. And um, do I feel like the film made a difference? I believe that the film put some pressure in law, in law enforcement where Good. they couldn't yeah. get away with, with bullshit. And <laughs> I believe the story reached out to, to so many more people. I mean, uh, the story is right now in over 7,000 universities on the libraries wow. where people can uh-huh. go and learn about honor violence. I was Correct. really, it, it was on European TV. I think it was Norway, Sweden, uh, France. It was doubled to like five different languages. So, you know, it has done really well. And I know a lot of people around the, the world got involved with, hey, let's catch Jasser. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of that, okay? I was going to say this is the only project that I've done that we actually ended up going to Washington to, Washington, to the U.S. Capitol, which I had the pleasure yeah. to go with Ruth and talk about honor violence in front of, the, of Congress. So that was also very rewarding because you don't do that all the time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
And for me personally, um, the price of honor has given a voice to Amina and Sarah and mm-hmm. given me the opportunity to be the voice to speak for them. And also, well, I used to be a very private person, but, you know, <laughs> and I really do not. With this, huh? right. And I usually, you know, I don't really do social media, but um, show up and the team said people are going to re- want to reach out to you. And so we created the Twitter. But since the documentary, I have become a voice and I have been I, I would like to believe that I have been an integral part of also the capture of Yasser by by Absolutely. by continue by Which raising is why you should have gotten the hundred thousand dollar <laughs> FBI anyways. That's I was that's what I was hoping, but yes. And so that's why, you know, uh, I every all the time I was posting stuff. I did a call for action, you know, to reach out to people that were reaching to that reach out to me from all over the world. I mean, I was just amazed and and very humbled by the the love and support from people from places in the world that you you probably wouldn't even know about. And I'm just like, wow, you know, that I would tell them, reach out to law enforcement, to FBI, to the governor, to other uh, media, news medias and, and places that have uh, discussed the story to help them. I said, even though you might get a form letter response from the Irving PD saying, oh, hey, it's not in our hands anymore. It belongs to the FBI. Continue calling, emailing, sending them messages, posting stuff, because every day or every each and every time you post something, they're going to see Amina and Sarah's name. And though they may have forgotten, they're going to know we have not forgotten. So I'm very grateful to every YouTuber, podcast, like, Twitter, post, retweet anything because it kept the girl in public eye and we're not finished. I mean, not only is it seeking justice for Amina and Sarah, but also raising awareness on these crimes against humanity, which Mm -hmm. are crimes in the name of honor. It happens everywhere. It's happening globally. And it's very scary that it's happening in the States, but it's unsanctioned because we don't call it for what it is. And, you know, had I known, maybe I would have been able to help them or provide an avenue for safety for them, but I I had no idea. Yeah. One thing is that in, in the film, like, it's hard not to feel just utter heartbreak for Joseph and for his loss, you know, without prying too much, because obviously he's not in this interview, is how how is he today? Well, he's slowly moving forward. I, I Again, I don't usually talk about him, but I will. You know, you being a teacher... I don't know what grade you teach, but on a normal day, yeah. So a normal day, teenagers, bad grade, break up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. It's like life altering. This Mm -hmm. was the love of his life that was Mm -hmm. taken for him forever. They'll never get back together. They'll never see each other. They'll never marry. They'll never have the four grandchildren that I was going to have. They'll, Mm -hmm. she'll never be a doctor, you know? Mm -hmm. So everything about his life was Amina, his music, uh, going to school, going to college, going to university. So it's not been an easy road for him. It's been Mm -hmm. an extremely difficult road for him. He is not the same person that he was before. And Mm -hmm. as a parent, you want to fix it. You want to make it right. But in this situation, you can't put a Band-Aid on it or uh, take him to the doctor to get a shot to cure him or put him on antibiotics. 
-hmm. And so it's been a tough road for him. Um, he's better today than he was yesterday. And he, uh, I'm hoping that, uh, current events, uh, will help his journey on healing. Mm. Does he play music as well? He does. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yes. I haven't gotten anything through, you know, on this level at all. But, like, I've had some dark times in my life. And I've been playing metal music for over 20 years. And it's always been, like, the most, you know, when my soul hurts, that's, like, the Cathartic. biggest healing. You know? mm -hmm. Exactly. So, and that's so exactly what the we... price of honor was for us. It was very cathartic. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, after his interview with Shoel, they were in a different part of the house and he came down the stairs. And when I saw him, he was, I mean, truly bawling. And mm -hmm. it, I saw him like when he was little, just coming to me. And of course he's six, four, so he towers me. <laughs> yeah. and I just, you know, I just wanted to scoop him up and hold him like my little child mm -hmm. and, and, and try to make it right. Uh, Kevin, I was gonna tell you that I know. I know. In the last couple of years, Joseph has has been really playing, um, actually composing and, and playing um, about thirty songs, and we are hopefully, 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 uh, right, Ruth. We're trying to to see if you know if he can release those. That'd right. Be awesome. I encourage him. Yeah, I encourage him. I, I mean, our my family, or yeah, my family is. We've always been supportive of each other and of our children. And okay, so uh, Joseph does like death metal. He he listens to all genres and he plays all genres, but death metal. So imagine his grandparents listening to death metal and his mom just <laughs> being supportive of, uh, oh gosh, what is the one? Uh, is it, uh, oh my gosh, I, I just went blank on one of the the bands. Cannibal something. Cannibal works. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yeah, we are very uh, supportive. So, yes, I encourage him anyway, and I'm hoping that something, a ray of light, will shine onto him to help him move forward. Yeah. And with his music, because that means a lot to him. Yeah, it's a good out. out uh, what am I trying to say? Outlet. Yes, thank you. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would like to add to that that, you, you know, I mean, I would say Jose is so very much in love with Amina. And, um, you know, it, it's hard for people. I talk to so many people on this story, and so many people are stuck. Somehow, Patricia is the only one that could actually move on and remarry. And, mm. you know, I think that says a lot. That was, yeah, that was going to be a question of mine later on is like, is she still technically married to Yasser? So I guess she's not then, huh? No, no, she got, she actually got a divorce. She, she filed for divorce when he was on the run. Don't know got how it. that happened, but that uh -huh. happened. And she remarried another person. Another I, brother? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I, no. <laughs> I'm going to say this because I can and I don't, you know, like, I really hope she doesn't have any more kids. I really, really hope she does not. I hope, yeah, uh, that's, that's all I'll say. I'll, say. I'll tell you one thing, and I can know, I have to be very careful how I say this. She won't have more kids. Okay. Okay. Okay, great. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for the good news. <laughs> so this is now kind of just like, now like kind of after the film stuff, but, but for both of you, um, what do you want 
Amina and Sarah's legacy to be, which I know you've kind of addressed throughout, but if you wanted to just be, you know, say it in this one space and then, and, or what do you want people to take away from the documentary? I guess they can be kind of the same question. I honestly, to me, I just wanted people to share their story. Um, that was my goal. My goal, I told, when I met Joseph, I told him, I said, trust me. Um, I just want to tell Amina's story. I know, Amy, you had questions about Sarah, why Sarah wasn't part of the story so much. And that mm-hmm. was because we did talk to several friends, but they didn't want to be on camera. And I, yeah, and I don't blame them. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we ended up, you know, we, did, we, we talked to Eric and we talked to other friends and, you know, only Sophia, which she is in the film, um, was mm-hmm. there. So she talked about Sarah a little bit. But other than that, that's why, you know, that's why it's more of um, a story from Amina's perspective. And that's because we're using her emails and letters as the, as the script of the film, pretty much. And, yeah. uh, but, you know, uh, uh, going back to your question, I just wanted people to really know who Yasser was, um, for people to know that he was still out there. And I believe in the power of the people and the power of, you know, people getting together and really social media can be amazing. And, um, you know, I just, we just wanted for people to know more about Amina and Sarah and especially Jasper. Uh, for me, I wanted people to not forget about Amina and Sarah. Like I said, uh, the silence was deafening, not hearing anything about them. And she was um, very important in our lives. And it was like the whole family was just erased and we knew that they needed to be their story needed to be told that they that I want people to remember them, not only for their executions and the horrific life that they lived. We knew what Amina told us and we knew from our own experience, but I can't even imagine how it was physically every day in her household. I'm, I'm sure it was a hundredfold worse, if not a thousand. Right. But I want people to remember how amazing they were. Mm-hmm. They were both beautiful. They were both talented. Um, they had ambitions. They had goals. And they wanted they wanted to to experience the human right that we are all born born with, and that's uh, liberty, life, and freedom. And that was taken for them. And they need not to be forgotten. And I also want people to take from this that there are other Amina and Sarah's out there and people mm-hmm. that are in a situation frontline people that are, are able to help them when a victim reaches out, that might be the first and only opportunity they have. And for the fact that they're trusting you enough to tell you it's, it's a matter of life or death when it comes to these victims and mm-hmm. first and foremost, safety. If you don't believe that it's this or that, you know, help them get to safety. And, mm-hmm. and go from there and then find organizations or foundations that are specific to cases of honor-based violence and help them. And then I also want everyone to know that the, the links and the measures or the extremes that the family goes to, uh, to protect the family honor. You know, there's a case in Houston that happened in 2019. And the reporter reached out to me because he's like, oh, this father had five people on his hit list. And talking to 
professionals and talking to law enforcement, they're like, that's crazy. We've never seen anybody have a hit list of five. What, what are your opinions on it? I said, it's not surprising to me because we all knew we were on a hit list from day yeah. one. Yeah. But anybody I mean, who can uh, take away that honor from the family. Yeah. Correct. But, and so this but, father was going to kill everybody on the hit list and the daughter was going to be the last because he wanted her to see all the pain. He wanted her to feel the pain of her shame upon the family. Her, he wanted her yeah, to go what her all of that. Was, yeah. Shoelle, you were going to say something? But, no, I was going to say that, you know, I, I, I think we will see in the, in the next few months, you know, how, you know, how United a family can be to organize something like this. Um, I think it's going to be very interesting to follow the trial. Um, yeah. I think we're going to be surprised. Well, I'm not going to be surprised, but I think um, a lot of people are going to come up and, you know, a lot of information is going to come up that is going to surprise a lot of people. So has yeah. there been any court stuff scheduled already? Uh, he has one small court. He has court next month in October. I think it's... Um, I don't remember the we have we have the the days and we're working on it because we're working on another documentary about the trials okay oh, wow. um and there is like a main network that it's it's after uh, you know after the film so um anyway so we're yeah we're actually on the pre-production of of the next film um and we're trying to work on you know with attorneys and prosecutors and getting to jasser my goal is to be face to face and be able to say, you motherfucker, why did you do it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's yeah. You, you, like I said, you got like these documentarians got balls. That's what I said in the last episode. <laughs> and it's true. Like you guys do not shy away from the truth or telling the story that needs to be told, no matter how much harm it puts you in, you know what I mean? Or what harm's way it puts you in, you know? So is, is part two of this, I, I'm assuming it's somewhat kind of part two to the, you know, price of honor. Did, is this something that came about pre before the arrest or after the arrest of Yasser Saeed? Uh, well, before and after, I'll tell you why. I always told Ruth, hey, the day that they find Yasser, you know, you need to open your house because I'm going to move to Texas temporarily until, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, you know yeah. until he's dead. So, um, you know, we always knew that that was, that that was going to happen, you know, Uh I mean, it's been a few years, so it's kind of like, you know, you move on, but, you know, we, we have always been in touch. Sometimes we talk more often, sometimes, you know, a a few months go by, but we knew that this was going to happen eventually. So um, the day that this happened, um, I was like, wow. Um, yeah, so we put the team together. We're working on the pre-production. Um, we have a great distribution company that, you know, like she pitched the film to to a big network and we're working on it. So, but yeah, it's going to awesome. be a second part, but it, it, it's not going to be just like a second part because we want to make sure that we tell the story of the trials and also the girls without repeating so much of Price of Honor. But enough information where people that didn't watch The Price of Honor will be able to follow the story. I want to give a shout out to my girl, Amina, because everything and the treasures that she left behind is all coming to fruition. I mean, she said the day that her dad is caught 
it's going to be something so silly like a busted tail light or something and it was a busted water pipe in 2017 that the tip came from the maintenance guy yeah, at the apartment yeah i think he so, deserves a reward oh i think you know, I, was, the, the, I think it's, it's it's completely bullshit that uh on their press release they say you know this was not a tip this was like hard uh -huh. work bullshit old-fashioned <laughs> what i what i don't understand yeah. is i read that newspaper article too about the maintenance worker in 2017 saying like hey this is going on why did it take three years? I mean, if if I'm correct, it's we 2020. Great like, question. That's, that's insane. That's insane. We, if, we would we like to know, know that too. Okay, so you don't well, know. Yeah, I was like trying to do the math and I'm like, three years is a long time to follow up on a tip. But, you know, in the beginning, uh, again, Amina said he would never leave. And in hindsight, now I wish I would have just quit my job and and just went on a on a hunt myself and hired a guy and just went and found him because all I had to do was find uh, follow Islam, their brother, and maybe and or a few of the other family members, and I would have disclosed him pretty quick. It wouldn't have been twelve years, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, we all said it. Everyone in the in the film, even Patricia, no, every, said, yeah, it's so prophetic. Yeah, so everyone, yeah, still those are, are great questions here. Yeah, yeah. But I think I'm I'm just speculating. But I think um, the three years gap, uh -huh. I would say, has something to do with the new detective. You know, I would really uh -huh. go into into when did Detective Henning retire and when did the new detective take over. And I'm yeah. pretty sure it was in that gap. But I'll tell you in the second film. Just give me some more time. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll be we'll be waiting with bated breath. Yeah. Looking forward to this for sure. <laughs> yeah. I know it. <laughs> What was going through your head the day that he was caught? Did you guys immediately contact each other? <laughs> it was uh, super interesting the way it happened. Well, I had just got home and a family member called me and she said, hey, Yasser got caught. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. And I don't remember pretty much after that, but she told me that I asked her to repeat it. Then I started screaming and yelling and crying. And then I said, I have to go. And I hung up and I started calling everybody. Um, then uh, Shoel called me and we were talking and everybody was asking me about Joseph. And I was really nervous about calling him to ask him. And so um, Shoel said, hey, I'll call. I said, okay. And uh then he called, Shoel called me back and he said, you know, he's fine. He just needs some time. And then later that night, Joseph called me. But, you know, uh, it's still surreal. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the day of, I was just a ball of emotions, crying, shaking. My body was just uncontrollable. I couldn't sleep for, like, nights. Just, yeah, I remember it's just unbelievable. Like, I cannot sleep. I cannot sleep. I cannot sleep. I cannot sleep. I say, you know, girl, you need to take a pill. Like, you know, like you need to get some sleep, <laughs> you know? And um, it, I couldn't even talk to Ruth for more than 20 minutes that day because everybody was calling her. Everybody oh, was calling yeah, her. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. You know, and I was, to me, it was funny because I was actually, I'm in Hawaii, right? So I was in the ocean with my kids that day. And mm -hmm. the, I was in the North Shore and, you know, reception out there is really bad. So I all this all of a sudden we we finish um, being in the ocean we go to a restaurant that is right on the beach 
and we're finishing lunch, I get a call from like a Texas number, and I just think it's you know somebody trying to sell something. I don't pick up the phone. Then I get a, a phone number from New York, you know, same thing. I don't pay attention. Then I get a call from um, one family member. I'm like, huh, interesting. So she she never calls. Then I get a call from Jill. I was like, fuck, what's happening? I'm like finishing lunch. I'm paying and all that stuff. And then Ruth called me. I'm like, fuck, like something happened. There's like, you know, it's, yeah. there's no way that all these people are calling me today at the same time. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I pick up the phone and, you know, like she was, oh my God, he was caught. I was like, let me leave this restaurant. Let me go. Let me go. And then I, I just went to my car and I closed the door. And then I was like, Ruth, what did you say? That he was caught. I was like screaming. And my kids, I was with my kids and my kids, uh, my kids were like, are you okay, Papa? And I was like, yeah! <laughs> you know, I was so, I was so excited. And then, you know, like she had to go because she had to tell everybody else. I called Joseph and then I called the team. Um, it was a very emotional day. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So let me tell you, the majority of the people that were calling me were, were uh, news media outlet people that uh, have oh, interviewed me throughout the yeah, year. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they were just like, one of them was driving and she's like, oh my God, I'm over. Was having a wreck and I'm like calm down I mean we were just all <laughs> elated and and I want to shout out to one of Shoel members uh, team members they were all amazing every one of them they were so gracious when we went when we met them and things but one of them um Chelsea she was so impacted by the story uh she went and had a tattoo placed on her leg and it says, I never want to become a memory. And it has Amina Saeed and it's in pink. Oh, wow. I was just blown away, you know, that someone that didn't even meet, that never met her, mm-hmm. just from us coming and telling our story, felt the same mm-hmm. way we did about her to do but, that. But, you, but, but Ruth, I don't think we're any different than people that watched the film. Uh, if you... If you make documentaries, you really have to connect with people that you meet. And, mm-hmm. you know, you really have to go deep and really understand all their pains. And, you know, I particularly connected very well with uh, Joseph. And, you know, we call each other brothers. And, you know, that doesn't happen all the time when you work in media, right? And, um, but, you know, everybody in the team was very, very, very touched by this story. And we really try to treat the story very carefully. Uh, It's hard to really interview people with a lot of pain because, um, you know, you're kind of afraid of what to ask and what you cannot ask, you know. And it's it's really hard for them to open up and really tell you their story. Um, We connected very well with the story with Amina and Zara and everybody that we talked to. Um, I feel like a lot of people that watch the film they really connect with, with Joseph. They can see Joseph's pain and they can see how, how much he loves Amina, right? And, and we know because of our social media, there were people that named their daughters Amina uh, because of the film, you know, because of the story. And I think, you know, same thing with Chelsea. You know, she was so touched by the story. She got that tattoo. And, um, you know, we It's all not got... a little tattoo either. It's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's huge, and um, you know, most of his leg, but her leg. But um, I always, always remember um, 
Ruth, when I was telling you, my kids are adopted, right? And I, I was telling Ruth, if I get a girl, you already know her name, you know? <laughs> and um, never had a girl. But, um, but yeah, it's like, you know, we were all touched um, by the story. One thing I just want to ask, um, and I, I'm just curious because, you know, I have my own reading of it being an English teacher, but why does the film end how it does, which is with Amina holding a gun? Okay, so that was that was my, I, I really pushed for that one, okay, because we really wanted to fit that somewhere in the film, and there was no place that, where it belonged, okay? Um mm-hmm. It's funny because sometimes, like the film, now when I watch, it's like, oh my god, maybe I went too far. Because sometimes, you know, it feels like this. this people feel like the film is about to to be finished, and then all of a sudden, like it doesn't finish. And then Ruth goes to the cemetery, and people feel like the film is finished. And then all of a sudden, you get Amina. Uh, mm-hmm. The reason why we thought that was the perfect spot for Amina and the gun was because you know people already know the story. It's the end of it. Um, although she's there, um, we follow her story, her script, her emails, her messages, her letters, okay? So this mm-hmm. storyline, All the Price of Honor, was built by Amina. So for us to put her out there, it's, hey, motherfucker, you feel me, but I have the mm-hmm. last word. Boom. Mm-hmm. So yeah. pretty much that was the message. Like, hey, I can be dead. But I can still speak up. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt too. Like it puts her in control at the end. Yep. Yeah. That's what we meant with it. And we didn't know whether people, because we, at that point, we, we were very invested in the story. Okay. Um, I would work on the story sometimes like 20 hours a day. And, you know, um, I gained like 25 pounds, you know, throughout the price of honor. So I was like, I was super invested in this story. And, you know, we didn't know whether people were going to understand that or not. But we decided to put it there anyway, because I was, you know, worst case scenario, people don't get it. That's fine. They'll see the guns were something normal in the household, you know. Mm -hmm. But the meaning was that, was, hey, I have the last word. Mm-hmm. I like that. I wonder, now I'm just thinking out loud, but I wonder if Yasser has seen the film. Obviously, I don't think that you can know that. Oh, but yes, yes, yes. I'm Absolutely. pretty sure he has. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, I, sure. I hope he has. Oh, I'm and pretty sure. Because, because remember I told you that two of the sites were standing over there to watch the yeah. film. When, when the film finished, she came out and she was in tears. She was shaking and she was, oh my God, I cannot believe what you have done to my family. Like you have put them in there on blast. You, you know, my house is in there. And I told her, I said, hey, I said, we blurry everything. You cannot see the, the street. You cannot see the number. Like we were very careful with that, you know? And, you know, she said, you know, like we, we are chased by everybody. The FBI is after us. And I felt like telling her, bitch, shut up. Like, okay, fine, I understand that you're shaking, but shut the fuck up, because the FBI is not chasing you, because if they were chasing you, your dad would be in jail. And you know know what? Bottom line, if Yasser wouldn't have done any of this, they wouldn't have to be on blast. I mean, and Sarah would be living their life. I would be a mother-in-law with four grandbabies. Yeah, I mean. The one that she should have blamed is Yasser. 
Yeah, it's so crazy where people place the blame, especially, you know, at, in the in the film, like when I, never in a million years would I think at all that Joseph was to blame. I, it just doesn't enter my mind. And then for Islam to freak out at him and being like, you did this. I'm like, what? How does that even make sense? Like, it's just crazy to see where people place blame, you know, especially with the got, Saeed family. And we got messages from Islam blaming Joseph. That's it, it wasn't even it wasn't even an inkling in my mind that like there was any blame for him at all. You know, that's it's just like that part of the film was again infuriating because oh, it's and, just like, and, how the, could... and the interpretation that they got from the 911 call was that Bubba means father in Arabic. And what was really said was my poor Bubba has been shot. And uh, he's dying, him and Amina and Sarah, at the hand of my son, Joseph. So they haven't directly threatened him, but they've indirectly threatened him by enticing people to come after him, saying he's part of some kind of Mexican drug lord gang and uh, that he has murdered several people and that he's <laughs> wanted by the police. And if you see him, you know, you'll be doing society a favor if you just do away with him and you would get a reward and just things like that to wrote the ears that is just insane wow. uh, amy amy can i go back really quick of something that oh, yeah, yeah. just it just hit me from your last episode covering the story um and thanks ruth because what you said it, it kind of like ring the bell um you were talking about yasser killing somebody else and oh, you were yeah. not sure when that happened. Okay, that was actually in Saudi Arabia. He was there for a while, and oh. that happened in Saudi Arabia. So, um, and his father paid a, a lot of money well, to get him out. Yeah, to and and that's when he came to the U.S. Okay, but uh -huh. the only thing I'll say here, because that information was given to me by Patricia. Um, uh -huh. The question I didn't ask and I wish I would have would be, okay, so you know that your husband killed somebody on purpose and you still Married stay him. with him? Yeah. You know, so who, yeah, but that was or, in South Arabia. Or, or quote, who would think he would kill his children, well, unquote. Everybody, everybody watching the film already knows. Who can we look forward to seeing in the the second documentary? Like, it sounds like Tissy might not be making an appearance in it. <laughs> well, she actually, she might be making one, you know, if... In if court. I, yeah, in court. So, yeah, but, you know, if I see her, I'll go to her and I'll say, hey, how are you? How are you doing? She's going to talk to you. She likes talking. Yeah. Yes. What's the story you know, this year? Like, yeah. Again, Again, my job is to tell what we see, and that's what we saw. So, you know, yes, but TC won't be leading the story, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, we also need a more reliable source. And, <laughs> you know, I'm hoping that that can be either uh, Ruth, a combination of Ruth, um, the prosecutors, and absolutely Jasser. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know he has to do something else. Like I know a lot of people are upset with Patricia when they watch the film. Um, I I talked about this with Ruth yesterday. The person I'm really upset with is Islam. Like oh, yeah. for some reason it hits different because Islam was like a dummy boy from the very beginning. He's just like a 
you know, smart ass motherfucker with no life. And if it wasn't because of Amina and Zara, he would have been like nobody, like absolutely nothing. Those girls mm-hmm. helped him through, um, through everything. He was antisocial. Th- those two girls were the ones really, um, taking out you of know, shell. Help, help. Yeah, everything. Yeah protecting him, making sure that he wasn't bully, like all that stuff, you know, they love the brother. So for the brother, you know, not that I was surprised, but for the brother to, I just feel like he actually was kind of a good actor at one point. Well, no, actually, no, he was a pretty bad actor. But <laughs> what I'm trying to say is, you know, when, when all this happened, he was just, first he was claiming my father didn't kill them. Then he was saying, you know, Jasper, like, turn yourself in, I'll give you a good attorney, and they won't mm-hmm. put you on, on death row, but you can think of what you did. Uh, he's saying all this when I'm assuming he already knew that all this was going to happen, because when the girls left, that's when the plan was put together. And right. I believe Islam would be part of that plan. You're going to stay with TZ to control TZ. I'm going to take the girls, right? So I really mm-hmm. want to see him. I have a huge interest on in what he has to say. Um, I actually think that the trial for Islam and Jasin are going to be way more interesting than Yasser because yeah. Yasser is kind of boring. Yasser, we know what he but, did. Yeah. Yeah, but Jasin and Islam, they really like they get triggered so easily. Uh, mm-hmm. We have court documents where apparently Jacin, um there is no bond for anybody, okay? Um, but the, yeah. the reason why they said, especially for Jacin, no bond is because when he got arrested, apparently he he told the law enforcement that arrested him that he was going to kill them. <laughs> so he gets, he gets triggered so easily. So if he's the way, if that's the way, he is in jail. He's not going to last a long time in no. there. And Islam well, I do is have to say, be- Islam is about to be, uh, is going to be in a rude awakening, and he's going to experience some of the fears that his sisters lived um, yeah. in prison. Islam, yeah, I mean, he's a little bitch. His cakes are going to be busy in jail. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I am... I, I am so looking forward to the trial and what comes out. Yeah. yeah and like you were saying, it's um, with Yasser, I feel like it's cut and dry and the, all the evidence is there. But I really want to know if there's going to be like any other any other arrests of the family, if they're able to connect any more, you know, families with, you know, hiding him directly or family members with hiding him directly. But yeah, Yasser or Yasin and Islam's trials are going to be very interesting. And I, yeah, it's uh, wow. Yeah, well, as far as I know, they are going to go as Jasser didn't do it. So let's see how that goes. Oh, he's going to well, complete. You know, Sarah, brave Sarah on the 911 call while under attack somehow managed to name her executioner, help, help. My dad shot uh, yeah. me yeah. and my sister, and now I'm dying. So I'm not really sure what more they need from that. Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, she's naming him. We'll see. Yeah. Where can slash should people follow you online if they want to stay up to date on, you know, the next film and what you guys are doing? And I know, Ruth, like your Twitter very much is like 
a lot of information about honor killings and where people can find out more information. So how can people find you? Uh, pretty much me, just on the Twitter. And, okay, and I'm resurrected is at RMT Pink. Okay. I want to make sure put this in our Facebook group too, but yeah. And for us, if it's the film, people can follow on Facebook at The Price of Honor, uh, or they can follow on Twitter. I think I, I believe is uh, at E P O H film, right? Correct. I mm-hmm. think so, yeah. So that's the Twitter. And for me personally, I'm the same across all social media, pretty much Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. It's the real Shoel. Um, mm-hmm. That's X O E L. Okay. Okay. Well, I want to thank you guys for giving us your time and thank you so much for obviously taking on such an endeavor uh, that's both heartbreaking and amazing work that you guys have been doing. So we just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Thank and, you, you know, keep rocking, keep rocking your podcast. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Now, Kevin, I didn't get the uh, impression that you were so quiet from the last podcast. <laughs> Well, I had a couple whiskeys on the last one. And he's going to be a father, so he's just trying to, you know, he's trying to plan oh for it. Oh, my goodness. Yes, there you go. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening this week. Please take a moment to follow the amazing work that Shoel and his team are doing by finding them on Twitter and Facebook. Also, be sure to check out the AHAfoundation.org, an organization committed to women and girls' liberty and freedom from honor-based violence, forced marriages, and genital mutilation. You could join our Facebook group, True Crime Dumpster. Follow us on Twitter at TC Dumpster and on Instagram, True Crime Dumpster. You can email us at truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. You can also check out our website at, guess what, truecrimedumpster.com. Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, and Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends about our podcast. Every review, rating, and referral helps us to get to a larger audience. Tune in next time where we continue to talk out the trash and give you another heavy dose of true crime. Later. Later.